Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Today, we have a special guest, Billy Samoa Salibi. He is the CEO of Potify and the host of Insight Out. Billy, it is fantastic to have you with us today. Can you tell us a little about your background? Uh, I currently run a podcast production company, Potify, but prior to that, I had the opportunity to lead global training teams at Tesla and Solar City. I also had a stint in the entertainment business, making a feature film called Rolling. Uh, and I, I also really love creating experiences across the board. Anything I've ever done, it's always about the experience of the people who I'm creating that for. You were, you know, director in charge of training at Solar City and Tesla. And what are some, you know, with Elon Musk in charge and such a dynamic company, and you were there at this time of incredible growth and also chaos because a lot <laughs> was going on. Very true. So, so um, what were what were some of the things that that Tesla and Solar City wanted you to emphasize in their training? Mm, you know, it's really interesting because my boss told Elon that he was going to create trainings that were almost like YouTube videos, and Elon loved that idea. So. I think making it bite-sized, making it small, making it easy to digest is so important. And I think any entrepreneur who's teaching anything, whether it be to your employees or to your customers, how do you teach them the information in as short a period of time as possible? We do live in an age where people want things as quickly as possible without all the fluff. So I think disseminate information quickly and easily and make it accessible on on-demand type of style. So that's one big nugget that I took away. That's interesting. So Elon didn't want the, and your boss, I guess it was his idea, didn't want the traditional corporate training videos, which are incredibly long and boring. Uh, so they made them short. Did they also make them entertaining? Yeah, the other thing he said is it's, he wants to make it kind of like a video game. So how do we make it interactive? How do we make the experience two-way experience, not a one-way experience? Because if it's passive learning, people get distracted, their mind wanders, they're not engaged. But if it's two-way learning, they're much more likely to retain the information because they're experiencing it, they're in it, and they're not drifting away into another thought. Because we, we know we're thinking of a million things in a day, and we need to keep them focused on what we're teaching them. So how did you make it interactive? You know, there's a lot of ways. And, and I won't say that that's the only way we taught, by the way. This is the conversation that he had with Elon. And this is what Elon wanted. I think ultimately what I did was I made every experience memorable. So I believe in something called the peak end rule, which is a, something in psychology which says people are going to remember the high point of an experience and they'll remember the end of an experience. And I think these are two critical things to think about no matter what you're doing and remembering that people are going to remember those highlights. They're not going to remember everything, but they'll remember the highlights and you got to end strong. Whatever you're doing, if it's a speech, if it's an experience, if it's a product test, make sure the very, very last thing will blow the audience away to the point where they want to tell everybody they know about it. So how do you do that with corporate training? Because most of it, I would imagine, is kind of boring stuff. Right. So the way we did it is, you know, I went into training with zero experience training. 
I had experience doing sales and I had a lot of success in sales, but I had zero experience in training, which actually worked to my advantage because I didn't have pre-orientation of what a training should be based on this is what I've been taught. I had to invent it myself. So what did we do? We implemented things that we thought we would enjoy doing. So the end of our training was family feud. And we'd, we'd have one set of class students against another set of students competing in this family feud style game on all the information and knowledge that they've learned throughout the week. So to say it was exciting is an understatement. I mean, it got so intense. There was so much jubilation for the winning team and, and defeat for the losing team, but it was so much fun. So that was one way we did it, but we did that throughout the week of training. Uh, we did an American Idol type of training where we did role-playing and we'd have judges giving them feedback. So these are the types of things that we would allow the students to, to feel a part of the training as opposed to somebody lecturing them, telling them this and that, because this is boring. Nobody likes that. We got to reinvent the way we, we teach and make it entertainment as opposed to just training. That's awesome. So with your teams at Tesla, you gamified the experience just like Elon wanted. Exactly. What are some of the key messages that Elon wanted people to take away with, you know, because he's kind of this, we, we view him as this visionary and these were people who are supposedly going to be leaders and uh, great people at Tesla. What, what did he want in their head? I would say the number one thing is to delight the customer, to delight the customer. So how do you do that? So there are any number of ways that the car does that on its own, but the entire experience end to end is thought about in that way. So if a customer's waiting uh, while their car is being serviced, or if the customer's picking up and getting delivery, taking delivery of their car, maybe there's an espresso machine there for them, or maybe there's a, a concierge or some way for them to feel like they're in the know on the process. So as far as what Elon wants, it's the Indian experience to be as frictionless and as easy as possible. I mean, he wants the sales experience to be so simple that somebody could fall asleep on their keyboard and they could buy a Tesla. And, and Elon's not, you know, he's he's got an engineer mind. He's not a, a sales guy. He doesn't want it to feel like a sales experience. In fact, anything but that, because he doesn't think that's the right type of experience. He doesn't believe in the haggling and the, so, you know, having a specific price, making it easy, people can order online, like all the things that he did using first principles thinking to develop the car, to develop the experience end to end and the customer journey. All of these things are, are rooted in one simple premise, which is we want to delight the customer. That's fantastic. And we all know Tesla has been very innovative. They've all, they're always pushing the boundaries. You know, they're a step ahead of everybody else. How did you, in charge of training, get people to think like innovators? Mm, such a great question. I think the first thing is to give yourself permission to fail. Uh, we have to be ready to make mistakes and not do what has been done before because it's been done before a certain way. So going back to the first principles thinking, as you know, we, we have to experiment. We have to look at things from a perspective of what is what can we do beyond what has been done before. So I think that's the first thing is that be able to fail and fail quickly, fail forward, but also give yourself permission to think in a way that is not rooted in your previous experience or rooted in what has been. Um, and I think the other piece to it is he, he, he asks a lot of questions. 
one of the things that I, you know, having the position that I had, I had a rare opportunity to be on conference calls with him. And what I got to experience is his problem solving mind at work. And he would ask so many questions to dissect the situation and really assess how he thinks we should go about doing something. And I think through those types of interactions, not everyone got a chance to interact with him, but guess what? It trickles down. When you ask those questions and you start to poke holes and say, well, what about this? What about that? Maybe what we thought was a perceived challenge is actually an opportunity, is actually a reason for us to differentiate ourselves against everybody else. So, and, and I think that fundamentally is, is one of the biggest takeaways I had from him. And one of the most interesting things is just his ability to quickly ask questions, assess the situation, and then navigate from there. Yeah, I believe in that. And I actually teach that. I teach if you want to be an innovator, if you want your employees to innovate, ask them questions. Don't always just tell them what to do, because then you get, you get them thinking of solutions that you might not even think of. Now, Elon has, there's been different people have different takes on his management style. So some people think he's, you know, God's gift to man. Other people, other people think Elon is brusque, you know, pushy, uh, not easy to work for. What was the general feeling around Tesla and the people unit? Well, I think the, the thing to remember is, you know, Elon is a celebrity CEO to a large extent. And, and with that, you know, he has personal security with him 24 seven. They, they visit the site. I was uh, doing a uh, end of month delivery uh, round, which everyone in the company, it's sort of all hands on deck. So I was at a delivery hub and all of a sudden we get almost like secret service style people coming. Oh, Elon's coming. We need to assess, look around. And so I don't think he can, by virtue of that, I don't think he can have normal relationships with employees in the same way a, a, a normal CEO could. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that as a, as a preface and a disclaimer. I think Elon has incredibly high expectations. And the reason he has high expectations is because he believes just about anything is possible and he hates excuses. Therefore, if you're the type of person who looks at things from a perspective of this can't be done, we can't find a place to keep these vehicles because there's no parking lots, in, the, in this general vicinity, he's going to say that's, that's garbage. That's, 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 that's making an excuse. So I think for that type of person, it's going to be very challenging to work with Elon. On the other hand, if you're the type of person who is as committed as he is, I think you're going to like working with him because he's the type of person that, you know, he's going to support and, and, and also believe in, in that type of approach. But I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not easy to work for Elon Musk. It's not easy to work for a visionary like Steve Jobs and I think very much in that same vein. So is he the quintessential model to follow as a leader? I would say no. But does that mean that his company isn't going to see the, the, the success that it's seen? No, of course not. It's going to see the success because of him, largely because of his tenacity and his ability to stick with whatever it is he's going after. And so it's, 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 it's you see both sides of it. You know, most of these visionary leaders have super high expectations of their management teams. And they're always pushing them, always challenging them. So yeah, it could be brutal working for them, but you will stretch yourself, you will grow. So if people Very wanna, true. If people wanna uh, go through that, it's like being in the Marines, you know, they're gonna, in boot camp, you know. And some, some people could it. stick with them a long time, right? Some people could stay in his leadership team for a long time, but then others 
it's like oil and water. They just don't get, they don't, it doesn't connect. So, yeah. Yeah. So you were there four years. What prompted you to leave? So I, my position at that point was global head of sales and product. And when I got that position, it was maybe three or four months before I left. I knew going in that a global leader role was uh, potentially risky for me. And the reason why I knew it was risky is that we had, I'll call them like my lieutenants on the ground in Asia, in North America, in EMEA, right? In all the different, all the different geographies. And so I was, uh, I was at risk. And so my boss reported up to Elon and I knew when a phone call happened that I potentially was going to be eliminated. My role was eliminated. And I said, you know, I could go into sales. I could take another role, but I decided that was my opportunity to do my entrepreneurial thing. And so I took that opportunity and ran with it. Honestly, I never expected even to get into corporate from the very beginning. But when you start working for companies like SolarCity and Tesla, it's hard to leave. And I was part of many, many layoffs before then, being the one having to make the decision. Finally, I was the one who was laid off. Was that that brutal time when you know production wasn't working right? Uh, Elon was staying up day and night? Yes, it was, it was a little bit after that. But it was certainly, as you mentioned, chaotic. It was beginning of 2019. So as I said, I mean, I was part of, I believe, between SolarCity and Tesla, eight different rifts. Uh, and so, again, I had to be the one of this person, that person. And so, yeah, I mean, that was that was the pretty much the right after that. I think the stock went down to its low point, the like into the 100s uh, before it split. And then, of course, it rocketed after that. Hopefully you held on to your stock. I hope so. <laughs> Another conversation uh, that, that that I I I did for a little bit. I wish I'd held on longer. So that believe me, it's a, it's probably the worst financial decision that I've ever made. Many many millions of dollar uh, uh, bad decision. Uh, but you live and learn, Steve. And so no, I didn't I didn't hold on to my Tesla stock. Unfortunately, I did for a bit. I think I sold it at a point where I thought it was it was higher. It didn't sell it at the low point. That's the good news. But I also didn't, I didn't wait till it did the crazy growth that happened afterwards. You know, it's really hard to know. Like we've all done that with stocks, like whether it's stocks we had in a company we worked for, stocks we were buying, we, we've all, especially when a stock dips, you're like, oh man, if I would have sold it before, totally. I would have had so much money. Now it's gone way down. So when it starts to go back up, you're like, oh, I got my money back. <laughs> right. And we knew, I mean, Elon literally did an all hands where he says, this stock is going up to 4,000 a share. And I was like, I did the math in my head. I'm like, holy, if I, if it does, like that's, that's it. Game over for me based on the, the shares that I had and, and, and the RSUs that I had coming in. And I was also on the employee stock purchase program. I, I went all in. And then when I left, I, I, it was bad timing. I left, I decided to diversify and I also did some day trading, big mistakes. So to be, to be super blunt, biggest financial mistake I've made in my life was not holding on to all my shares. But to your point, you know, there were people talking about it's going to go down to $10 and this and that. And I didn't think that I, I do still believe you don't bet against Elon. Now, did I take my own advice? No, by, by selling my stock, I, I did bet against Elon big mistake. Don't do that. And, uh, you know, I'm paying the price, uh, in, in the form of, of not having this stock, but I'm still, a, I'm still bullish on Tesla. I still believe in the company and believe in the mission. And I, and I always have, uh, I think ultimately, you know, you, you wear those decisions in life and you gotta, you gotta smile and just say, you know what, you don't take any of the money with you when you leave. 
I applaud your honesty because we all make mistakes and a lot of people won't talk about their mistakes, but it's really important. And you're a celebrity, you're one of the, you're amazing, like so that you share the mistakes you made. Now let's hit on that. What, when you were at Tesla, mm-hmm. what were some of the mistakes that you made? And also what were some of the things that you learned while you were there? There are so many things. I think first and foremost is one of the things that I, I learned so critically is it's all about the people. And I, I think ultimately what I took away from Tesla beyond anything else is the incredible team that the, the company assembled to help build Tesla to what it was. Because even though the growth happened after I left, it was all of the work that went in prior to me being there. And while I was there that teed up that meteor, you know, that, that, that rocket ship that, that, that blasted off in, in the form of the, the shares and the company. And so I think ultimately assembling the right team to get the job done is foundational. And if, if you can't do that right, uh, it, you could have all the systems and process in the world. You could have all the robots, but you need the right people in place to navigate the company. So I think that's fundamentally the, the biggest learning that I had. And, and guess what? It, it wasn't about degrees. It wasn't about fancy, any kind of school that you went to. It was about you, the human being. And, and Elon talks about this. Your life experience is much more important than the degree that you have. As far as mistakes that I made, you know, I think ultimately I did really well. And part of the reason I did really well, I think corporate is very much about putting yourself in position to have the right people be your advocates. And from start to finish, I I did a really nice job. I believe the reason my success uh, was what it was and why I got as many promotions as I got is I impressed the right people at the right time. And I think that's really, really important and and really just critical to success in, in anything is that you, you know, again, going back to the people, it's the people. But I think the biggest mistake I made was not recognizing that as the company uh, was shifting, um, shifting my focus along the way, I think being the, you know, you got to be dynamic. And part of being dynamic means that what worked a year ago may not work today. And so when we were doing in-person trainings and we were doing trainings that frankly cost a fair amount of money, uh, I should have seen the, 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 tailwind shift to where we had to do something that's going to be lower cost and really navigate how we go about doing that from a training perspective. Because again, I love doing in-person training. It's my favorite way to do training, but is it the best financial decision knowing that we want to be profitable? And so, yeah, we did go that direction, but I think the quicker we pivot, the better. And then the last piece is, you know, I, I took a global role knowing that that could be uh, if, if I didn't take that role, my position wouldn't have been eliminated. But again, you, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm glad that I took the role. It was a great experience. But I think knowing where, where to navigate within an organization during the time that you're in is really important. I probably would have taken the same role. You know, it was a big promotion. <laughs> you got bumped up, big challenge. You know, you've got to take it. You'd probably regret it if you didn't. But then it, everything's a risk in life. It is. Now you're a well-known podcast host. You run a podcast production company. You're really into podcasts. So what are some of the things you have learned doing your new role? Oh, it's, first of all, it's, it's so exciting and thrilling to be in the podcast space because it combines everything that I love. It's the, my love of entertainment, my love of media, my love of asking questions and getting to know people. And so it's the perfect blend. But 
what I've learned in business and being an entrepreneur is things never go as fast as you want them to. So that's the first learning is be prepared to go slow. There's a reason I have this little turtle on my desk is I believe in going slow and steady as opposed to trying to break any records. Having been very close in proximity to companies that moved very fast, Solar City and Tesla, to be super blunt, I believe Solar City had the issues it had because it grew so fast. And I, I'm, I would rather grow slow and methodical than fast and haphazardly because I, I think that that creates a strong foundation. So that's the probably the biggest learning that I've had. And then the second thing is, you, and you taught me this, but you 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 a, a big thing that you taught me is the the people around you, especially in the beginning, are the most critical people, and get people who support the vision regardless of their current income that they're making through the company. So if they could invest because they believe in the vision, they believe in the company, they believe in you, and you could create that synergy amongst the earliest employees, I think that's setting a really strong foundation. And, and I credit you uh, for teaching me that. Thank you. But I'm sure you have learned it anyway, because <laughs> your, your mind is so active. Now, when you select people and when Tesla selected people and Solar City, all the, you know, in your company now, what are the things you look for? How do you know? You know, you said it's not necessarily what school you go to or what your resume says in terms of job history, but how do you know somebody is great? Yeah, I think you got to ask them questions about what they've done in certain situations, how they handled themselves and what they have done that will allow them to thrive in their current role. So to me, more important than anything is what did they learn from their experiences in life, whether that be work experience or other types of experiences? How did they navigate through those waters? How do they navigate through challenges? How do they navigate uh, and, and thrive, right? What, what, what was their, their greatest achievement? So what was, you know, get, tell me your top three achievements in life and why did you get there and how did you get there? What were the things that allowed you to do that? Uh, understanding what makes them thrive. I always, I believe the interview is a two-way street. So who, who are the type of leaders you like to work with? What, what are some leadership traits that stand out in your mind that have helped you perform at your best? Because if, if you're talking to a thoroughbred, they, they probably need the right jockey. And I, I, I look for thoroughbreds. I look for people who are, they, they may not be perfect in every way, but if they have the right jockey, if they have the right leader, they can accomplish amazing things. And so um, I, I look for those type of people. Um, I look for little nuggets of what they say and how they say it. Uh, language matters a lot to me. So um, I believe that if I could sense of the type of person that is a, a more of a, a victim mentality or they make excuses or they're looking for ways to, to do the bare minimum, they're a hard no for me. On the other hand, if I find somebody that attitude is like top, right? Where they, they, they just have that can do, I'm gonna get this done. Uh, I, I know I can get this done in this belief system in, them, in themselves. Uh, that's, that's really strong. And then uh, I look for work examples. If it's somebody that is in design or does something that I could see, uh, a big obviously way to assess if somebody is talented is see what other work they've done, see how they've influenced other businesses, helped other businesses with their superpower. So what is their zone of genius? And then if I could have proof of that zone of genius, I need that proof. Now, 
how do you lead people like this? Because, you know, you, you were in a leadership role. How do you get the best out of them? Well, I think everybody is different. Everyone's an individual. So I think understanding them is where it starts. So meet them where they're at. What, what do they uh, need from you to thrive? And part of that is understanding them. What is their why? What is their motivation? What is the thing that gets them up out of bed in the morning? And then what is their style of leader that they need? Because everyone's different. Do they need somebody that's the driver type? Are they need somebody that's more hands-off? And I think you need to understand how to navigate. So self-awareness of yourself and then discovery of them is, is actually, without question, to me, the, 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 the foundational piece of where everything goes from there. And then uh, the, other, the other component after you've determined that is you can't just accept that's the way it will always be. You have to check in. So I'm a big believer in regular contact with the employee uh, because if your team member doesn't hear from you, I believe that in the absence of communication, people hallucinate. I'll say that again. In the absence of communication, people hallucinate. So they begin to formulate stories in their head about what you think and how you feel and all these different things if you're not there and you're not present. Most people, they do need some form of verbal recognition and approval of what they're doing. And it, and it can't feel phony. It's got to be coming from a real place. It's got to be genuine and authentic. And it's got to be consistent. Now, again, most people, this is where you knowing your audience, knowing who they are, maybe they don't want that. They don't like that. And if that's the case, you have to adjust accordingly. But I do think having the regular checkpoints is absolutely, absolutely critical. And then the last piece I'll, I'll share on leadership, because I, I do believe in leadership immensely. I believe you're a product and, and how and why somebody follows you. And I, I learned this as I was teaching leadership development is it, it's based on two things. It's the decisions you make and the interactions you have. So we talked about those interactions, but the decisions you make matter. And so be very, very mindful of the decisions you make. And I, I, I believe that decisions made too quickly can harm you. Decisions that take too long can also harm you. So I think find the sweet spot to make good decisions because you're on stage as a leader, you're the model for everyone. And when you make good decisions repeatedly, people recognize that when you have good interactions repeatedly, people recognize that it goes back to this innate desire to follow people who you trust, who you trust will make the right decisions and who you trust have your back. Billy, this has been fantastic advice. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. You know, you're amazing. Your show is amazing. I want you to let our audience know about your podcast, where they can find you and everything else you're doing. My podcast, as you mentioned, is Insight Out. That's Insight Out. Uh, and you can check it out on all the major podcast platforms. You go to the website, insightoutshow.com. If you're a podcaster and you need any help, even if it's just some advice, I'm happy to give advice. Or if you need more help than that, you need production help or marketing help, my company can help you. It's potify.com. On the website, you could schedule time with me. We could have a strategy session. And then the last thing is, Send me a note on LinkedIn. I love having conversations there. That's my most active platform. It's where I spend the bulk of my time socially. Uh, and I, I love meeting people on that platform. Uh, much like you and I have met and, and talked there. Uh, it's been a true, true pleasure. And I look forward to engaging with your listeners. And hopefully they found something that they could take and implement. Uh, to me, that, that would make it so worth it. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button. 
and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.